I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. podcast i'm joined as ever by jason jason hello good evening tom oh i didn't even get a how are you or anything then sorry how are you tom oh yeah no i'm all right i'm you know suffering a little bit of hay fever that's why i thought you might ask but uh well uh, no. to be fair i was going to ask but you've just spent the last 10 minutes telling me just how bunged up you are that i, I got with us i thought well, i knew how you were so i, I yeah. wanted to precursor it because in a minute everyone's gonna go god he sounds a bit ill and a bit rough and, and a bit nasally and probably get fed up after about 20 they, minutes they which... won't they won't they don't give a shit mate. No, that's fair enough Right, and also joining us, you know, as Jason's being so rude, is Matt Tizard. Matt, welcome. Uh, evening, gents. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Matt, thank you very much for asking how I am. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm actually in uh, self-isolation myself, mate, so uh, I know I know how you're feeling uh, following the, the very trusting track and trace system. So there we go. And plenty of time to do some research. That's it. That's all. That's what we like to hear. Say, so if, if you can be well researched, that means I can put less time in. So that's always good. And uh, you know, just before anyone gets the um, it's not going to be a political podcast. We'll, uh, you know, we are in isolation and we are in these problems. But uh, it's the golf that we will focus on this week. With that in mind, uh, Jason, did you want to talk about last week's European Tour event before we move on to this week's? Um, do you know what? It, I think the end of last week's Europe event, Hovland won, and. Um, did he show his class to win or did everybody just sort of let him do what he had to do um either way it doesn't matter i think you're going to find the same thing in one of these tournaments this week as well um yeah you know hovland done his job saturday he was absolutely awesome wasn't he um green everything about him was just brilliant sunday starts slowly obviously your man kaima comes through you know he's not going to win so as soon as he hits the front of the bogeys and as I tweeted, if there'd have been a 19th hole, he would have birded that. Then he'd have bogeyed 20, and he'd have gone on and on and on, <laughs> and on until he realised, until he thought he wasn't in front. Um, it, it was a good performance. It was professional. Um, he did what he had to do. He was better than the rest. Nearest pursuers really didn't kick on. Uh, Beesberger was pretty poor over the weekend. Um, to be honest, you know, uh, anybody who reads the life knows I got out of trouble with the. Um, Final, final day two ball double. Well, that ended up far too close for comfort. <laughs> I, th- I thought, um, to be honest, look, he was great. He was he, when you, when you look at what happened, the Harris English really sort of gnaws this theory up. Um, obviously, Louis looked exhausted really after US Open. Never really did much. Um, and then over obviously the other side, you had, you know, we'll talk about it I'm sure in a minute. But people like Bubba and Henley who were up there as well. Um, and I know they, you know, certainly Bubba for for you made some awful errors um but he played the us open he was up there for a considerable period and he faded away and it's only harris english sort of nausing up the um, theory that that takes a lot out of them um back over in europe yeah hovland i think having the weekend off last week done him a favor came over what did he do he just did what he had to do tom really it wasn't anything special particularly um you could have seen a number of players do what he did they didn't he did job done I think yeah, he almost teased the field, didn't he? And then started pushing on again, didn't he? As soon as they got got within touching distance and that aggressive side came back out as in the final stretches. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Matt. And I think I think the thing that I take from it, it what Jason said there, is whether he's had to really you know, play his best golf to do it. And probably he didn't, but he shot 19 under without his best golf. And I think that kind of shows the level of class, Matt, in... in in what level he's at because you know he hasn't played that many regular european tour events uh and when he does he certainly seems to be uh right at the top of the leaderboard every single week and i think that you know we see this quite often with these these kids that go over to pj tour they're they're at a different level already and he certainly seems to be in that uh category yeah absolutely i was just um obviously i was, I was pretty nervous as he was hitting that three wood or five wood or whatever it was straight down the throat of 18 pitching level with the water but uh yeah, his um, I think the class just showed throughout. He he definitely has a way of kind of getting the getting the ball off the tee into not not a great deal of trouble, but then when he gets in 
in a little bit of a pressured situation where he could feel the leaderboard coming in, and I'm sure he was aware, he then just puts the foot down and hits some tremendous shots. There's one other bunker quite quite in the middle of the round, and then that one into 18 was was just incredible. So yeah, fair play. Yep. It was um, sorry, Tom. I mean, you remember my Cobra because I think yeah. we were on Aaron Wise, yeah. Yeah. Um, very very similar. Only just did enough to to win. Do you know what I mean? It, it was it, potentially there he could have won by three or four quite easily. I know Wise had a fantastic final round. But again, same sort of thing. He only just did enough to win, but it was enough for you to think that he was definitely the best player on the part. So, uh, yeah, fair play to him. He's going to win buckets, isn't he? You know, he's, we've always been fans. And he did what he did, and, and he proved the market right, didn't he? So well, I, think, I think it's class, isn't it? When, when, especially when you can see that there's a bit left in the tank, is always... Always promising. I thought Martin Keimer was really impressive on the Sunday because he had that kind of wobble on Saturday where he kind of mucked up that chip, which has been the story of his last seven years. Um, mucked it up again and, and kind of found himself in the water. And yeah, I kind of felt like that was him going away then. I felt like, you know, we've been justified in what we'd saying about prices and, and being too short. And then he comes out and shoots a 64 on Sunday to really uh, kind of put the pressure on, I suppose. But uh, it wasn't to be. And, and Jason, you can, uh, you can keep making digs at him until he does win again. <laughs> it's in front of you isn't it how many times I mean look, of course he's going to win again of course he will he's too good not to but how many times now it's just you know it's three or four I think last year certainly a couple when he should have won um, you know the amount of times he bogeys 17 or 18 is, is ridiculous on Sunday um, and I'm not knocking him and, and somebody said you know he's too good and the class being back and like I said to you last week you know yes he was top class He's now very, very good, but he makes errors that, that mean that at his... I mean, don't be wrong, if he drifts out something silly after, after a barren spell and you can see something come back, especially in his iron play, um, then yeah, because I don't think you can ever trust him on the greens anymore, um, then yeah, you're going to say your 50s or whatever is too big. But at 25 every week, he's not, he's not for me, Tom, but he, he will win and when he does, you can, you know, blow raspberries at me. So that's fine. <laughs> I just, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think people are missing anything. You know, I could, if he wins at 25 to 1, I'll just be happy for him to win. I don't need to, you know, it's not the fear of missing out of, of listening to 25 to 1 uh, bet. So for me, I'd rather just let him uh, let him win and, and not have the stress of trying to follow him around. Um, but on to this week then. Rory McIlroy is back as the 11 to 2 favourite in the Irish Open. Uh, Shane Lowry 12 to 1, Tommy Fleetwood 16 to 1, Christian Biswedenhout 18 to 1, and the man Martin Kahn we've just been speaking about 20 to 1. Jason, any of the top five take your fancy at all? I, I can't back him at the prices, but if I, if I was picking one, if, um, the one I'm watching mostly is Shane Lowry. Um, I think, you know, we've had Ben on a couple of times, he's been on him quite a lot this year. Um, he, he's, he's playing tremendously well, isn't he? I mean, his, his approach play has, has been excellent. It's the greens that are letting him down, and when he does miss the putts, they they're, they're pretty bad, aren't they? You know, to be honest with Larry. But I think he's trending in exactly the right direction for the Open. Um, obviously, you know I'm on for the Open already, um, but Larry is definitely calling to be played. Um, obviously, depending on the price now, he does over the next week or so. Uh, but yeah, of the lot, it'd be it'd be Larry. Um, but, but can, you know, can you play them? And I, I haven't worked out. Normally, I'm I'm ready to tell you, you know, what the combined price is. But uh, it's going to be pretty short. The top five, can they win? They can win by five, can't they? But it's no real interest to me, especially when you think they might be tuning up for a couple of weeks' time. So let them win if they want. But Larry's the one I'm watching. I mean, I think I think Rory could, you know, do what he did in the Irish Open a few years previous and, and kind of completely tear it out with Parkland course as opposed to actual links one I think works in his favour uh, and, and probably the opposite for Shane Larry for me I think if it was a bit more of a true links Irish Open test I'd probably fancy his chances a bit more and I think that's the same for a couple of players down down a bit further Ryan Fox I thought was in that market as well I thought that you know he's been in, in good form and he's played well in Irish Opens in the past but now that it's kind of this Parkland test and, and you know not a not a true links Irish test if you like um, back at Mount Juliet this this year um, you know whether whether that plays a part into it I don't know Matt what are your thoughts on on coming back to this course yeah so um, yeah my, my picks were based on 
a little bit of ball striking. Um, obviously, a Parkland course, which I feel will will favour particularly the the iron play, which which will lead me into to one of my picks if you want me to go ahead. Um, but yeah, at the top of the top of the top of the field, I, I haven't really got. I thought the prices were a bit were, were pretty short, particularly that Kymer one. I, I, I'm not interested in that considering the deal hasn't really been done yet either. Um, but yeah, the course itself. Um, obviously, we've we've not been on it for a long time, which made obviously looking at previous form here quite quite challenging. Um, it's 2004, wasn't it? Um, that we're back on here with with Ernie Els and 2002 Tiger Woods winning the. the uh, the World Golf Championships, and then before then you have to go back to the 90s when when the European Tour was there. So, uh, and I think I've read that Sam Torrance was the last winner. So can I find <laughs> a, a Sam Torrance Tiger Woods hybrid? I'm I'm not sure, but um, uh, there's certainly some correlation from a geography and a course perspective that I've looked at, and and it's particularly around the Parkland um, sort of vibes of the, of the track itself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Jason, you've got a, you've got a theory, haven't you, on some couple of correlating tracks that you think, uh, based on those WGC leaderboards back in 2004-2002, that may uh, may help us with our selections this week. Well, I mean, what I find interesting is that, well, yeah, we, you know, it's a Parkland course, but look down the board. Uh, Ernie Els, Thomas Bjorn, David Howe, Darren Clark, Sergio, Retief Goosen, Pod, Zach Johnson, um, go back before, Tom's, VJ, Goosen, Tiger. It's links in it as well. Um but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, when, when I looked at I looked at 2002, 2004, uh, looked where obviously these boys have played really well, and I just thought the link to Qatar um, was was very very strong. Obviously, Ernie's won in Qatar; he's got plenty of plays for him, including the third. I don't think he's ever missed the cut in Qatar, especially Doha. I mean, education education is is not that different, but I, I think it's slightly easier than Doha was. Uh, Retief Goosen has won it, and he's got plenty of top fives, plenty of top tens. Um, Tommy Bjorn's won Qatar David Howe's got uh, five top tens in Qatar uh, Darren Clark's got one top ten two top twenties Garcia's won in Qatar uh, he's got hundreds of top tens uh, I thought there was a massive link to Qatar we always go Qatar, Portugal we always say about the wind and things like that um, and, and that's the view I've taken um, when you look into those players as well we know them well enough. We know that they play links. I mean, there's, there's loads of Scottish Open for wherever it's played here. Daniel links, absolutely loads of it. It's a shame it's come up, you know, the Scottish Open isn't played at Loch Lomond anymore because, you know, we'd have some real ties. But for me, that there's, there's six or seven players out of those two leaderboards that so strongly point to um, the likes of Qatar, Scotland, Daniel links. There's plenty of crowns as well. As well. Um, is it too long ago? Were they just simply the best of the field and then the best in Qatar? Because obviously the game's opened up. We've got, you know, back then, how many players did we have that could actually win a top-class tournament? How many players have we got now that could win it? Maybe, maybe not, but that's conjecture. I'm going with what it says. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, Qatar is huge. That's what I've based a lot around. And um, if they've got the tee to green game, if they've got form in Qatar and they can throw in a few links forms, that was it. That's, that's me done. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? That there is the worry that the, the guys that you just listed off were were the best across those two or three golf courses because they're the best players in the world. They were great on links because it was a major championship and they're the best players in the field. But like you say, if you second guess everything and, and ignore those things purely because it could be that, then uh, then that's really you know you, you're just going to get yourself in a, a twist. Really, you'll never be able to actually make a definitive decision. When you raised Lock Lomond to me, I was quite interesting because you, you kind of come to me you sort of says that Lock Lomond, Qatar and Kranz and I thought that's a bit of a mix I said I can understand sort of Lock Lomond and Qatar but then you start throwing Kranz in there and I feel like it's a completely different test altogether and then I found Eduardo Romero uh, had won at Lock Lomond and won at Kranz as well um, you know and then you look at Lock Lomond and you think oh you know Scottish Open but you know again it's a Parkland track similar to what we're going to be facing this time um, and that kind of rung sort of alarm bells for me for someone like Eduardo Monolaro who's been in great form he obviously won there the last time it was hosted there beat Darren Clark by three strokes um, Matt I know that Eduardo Molinari is a player that you've been uh, you're interested in this week yeah definitely and yeah you've touched on one of my points there um, definitely I think um, I think it's no secret that he's playing well um, I, I quite like seeing him teeing it up early doors on that coverage we had of the US Open um, yeah Tiden Island a couple of years ago okay uh, albeit Obviously, the course is, is, is different, but he, he's won a, a 
picks of mine um, that I've gone down sort of the Belfry route recently um, where he came tied eighth uh, and he dropped that 64 in absolutely awful weather. Now it looks like the weather's going to hold up this week. I've checked a couple of forecasts. There could be rain. There could not be. It could. I've even seen storms somewhere. So I don't think they're a hundred percent sure, but he dropped that in, 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 in the worst weather in, in at the Belfry. And um, he's actually tied 20th um, or better in, in everything that week. Strokes gained, off the tee, approach. So it's just sort of on the greens where he needs to improve. Um, I like more, obviously, more re- recently, okay, he missed a maiden, him- maiden Himaland, but that was on a sort of a linksy style course. Um, followed up with that tied second at the European Open, okay, albeit on a three-day competition. But I think the point for me is the game is there. He did fire in a 65 at the European Open, um, which, which will probably be needed again if, if it is going to play that kind of target golf um, Parkland style. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a winner, isn't he? He's won 10 times. It's, it's been a long time, but he's won 10 times across the European, Japanese and Challenge Tour. There's a there's a little resurgence in Italian golf as well, which I'm sure spreads across the Molinari brothers and, and obviously Guido, but he's pulled out. I was going to, I was fancying him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just been a year of comebacks, hasn't it? The older generation are rolling the years back. We've had Mickelson and Stuart and Sink over in the USA, Richard Bland over here. So so why not? And at 100 to 1, I, I think while he's licking the way he is at, at those kind of odds, so I think we'll give him a whirl, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look you just touched on it there. If, if Richard Bland can come out and get you know first victory after however many goes at trying to do it, 400 or goes at, at 48 years of age, and, and people just... I, I said to Jason a couple of weeks ago, and I sort of said it on the, the YouTube show I do as well, that Eduardo Molinari consistently gets priced as like someone that he, he may never win again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only 40. It's not like he's he's literally on his way to on his way to the Champions Tour or Senior Tour, whatever you know, want to call it over here. Um, he he's still got a good. If if he's if this is what we've got going forward, if this is what we can expect for the next five or six years. He's got a good you know several events and several years ahead of him to really perform and and take this ball striking. And so the only thing that sort of worried me with Molinari is that he gets in his head his own head a little bit. He's very analytical and statistical, and I think that helps him in some ways and probably holds him back in others where the putting is such about feel and things like that. And I think that might be why he struggles there because. He's probably very mathematical, Jason. I know you're, you know, very anti that in some respects about sort of people like Bryson. You know, they get very analytical about things, and and maybe he was someone that went to that first. He was a big advocate of Mark Brody and everything uh, very early on. So, yeah, I think I, you know, I think it's great. I think, like I said, he's got that second. At, he's won at Loch Lomond. He's got the second at the Irish Open uh, back in the day. So he's he's got it. You know, he's got the form there. He's playing incredibly well. He's striking the ball really, really well. Um, so yeah, hundreds one, even the eighties and nineties one that you know, slightly um, shorter odds but more places were really appealing to me as well. So I liked him. Um, my first pick came uh, in Justin Harding and and Jason. This sort of coming from you with the with the Qatar link. Um, obviously he's won there. He was eleventh at the Irish Open last year. He's never played brilliantly in links golf, which is one thing that I thought kind of put me off. But when you look at the actual test that he's got in front of him, it's not. You know, it isn't that. You know, he's fifth last week after a bit of a uh, bit of form going, and I just think that if he can get back to, you know, his better golf, he doesn't have to get to that to his best. He can definitely contend this sort of field. I've got no problem with Harding. Yeah, I mean, he, um, yeah, I mean, he did me a favour over the weekend, winning his two ball just about after going in the water on eighteen. Um, he was four clear, I think, into the last. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the way he won in Kenya. He should have followed up um, at the Savannah Classic as well. More mm. clear overnight into the final day. Uh, tiredness, whatever it was, blah, blah, blah. That was when the South Africans were dominating. Um, we've already discussed South Africans do well at this course for whatever reason. You know, Ernie and, and Goose, I mean, yes, they were the best of the time, but nevertheless, it's still quality fields and they were, you know, top three. I don't know if it's this this type of grade for him to be honest I know you know I know he's won Qatar um, I, I'd worry these would be too good for him but he's coming in in, in tremendous form um, what price is he Tom? Uh, six season 55s round about yeah he's um, yeah. not for me but you know I can see the argument yeah, and, and again he's very much dependent like, like we just spoke about Monolari so it's kind of what he does on the greens and he's 
these are tight they can get very very hot on the greens you can just start pouring them in you watching victor de Buisson in, in the final round of the other day or third round he was just pouring them in from everywhere and it feels like harding can do that as well but can very much miss short ones when it comes into the comes under fire as well so it's, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does there um matt another pick of yours in, in spaniel i believe he was um he was right up there if, if he wasn't first in strokes going approach last week in, in adrian Atwegi. yeah um he's uh I, you know listen I've, I've i've gone down the middle of the middle of the pack this 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 week on the european tour and you you, you can put argues in four and i'm i'm, I'm sure you know with and, and maybe against but with adrian i, I did a write-up on him on uh, in january uh where I, I came to the conclusion you can pretty much ignore him until the second half of the season where his form seems to pick up um and the last year was kind of the same wasn't it, in scotland where where he won um I said also in that piece that my concern for him was around sort of putting and, and, and a little bit on distance. Um, coincidentally, he's five yards up on last season stats. However, I, I kind of would say maybe the average has increased as well. Um, but he is, he's notoriously straight and accurate. And like you said about Harding, we've all, we've seen him when the putter gets rolling, he can, he can go low. He yeah. can shoot really low. Um, and and I, and I was kind of thinking about last week, and I looked at Garcia, and I thought, well, okay, is for example, Sergio Garcia at this time, I just could not see him rolling in part after part after part to get to that twenty twenty under. Maybe that's what it's probably going to be potentially around this week. Yeah. Um, whereas Ortega, nowhere near in that level, of course, of player. Don't get me don't get me wrong, but he can string those birdies. He just doesn't do it often enough. Um, and then right on cue. June comes around and he, he shoots three rounds in the 60s to finish second at, at the Scandinavian mix. So the game is there. I've, I've seen him hit quite a high price, which I thought was quite good. I've seen him at 66 to one. Probably you can get him there or thereabouts. Um, could I see him having a run at a place? Yeah, possibly could. So, yeah, he was, he, he's definitely one of my picks this week. Yeah, I mean, he's gone out to 80 to one, eight places this week as well. So I think it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. And, and like you say, he is someone... Jason, you pointed him out a couple of, we spoke about him a couple of times, didn't we? Atuegi and Campillo, both very similar in the fact that, no, they're both Spanish, but they both can just get hot at any time. And, and once they do do that, it's, it's sort of pays to be on. Yeah, he was brilliant in Scotland last year, wasn't he? He beat Wallace and Raya, who obviously then went and won uh, the Irish. Um, uh, no, sorry, won the other Scottish, didn't he? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, he should have won Scandinavia, shouldn't he? Um, or at least been in a playoff. Uh, three putting from whatever it was, 12, 15 feet. But, you know, he played brilliantly on the Sunday to actually get into that position. Um, you know, Caldwell was just went mad, didn't he, on the day. Um, and without Caldwell, Ortega is, is sort of, you know, the eye-catcher of the day. Uh, you can't knock him. He got into the position. Uh, I actually backed him uh, last week and backed him in running as well, which is what stopped him um, <laughs> completely, I think, last week. Um but that can come. That can come after having, after you know, being let down um, on his previous tournament. I know he had a week off, but after being let down, um, maybe thinking that he's in contention, you know, gets them. You don't, you, we don't know. But I can forgive him. A top 30 is fine. He played a lot better than that, to be honest with you. Um, he likes it. He likes these sort of opens. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it's very, very hard to argue. We do this every week, don't we? I mean, we look at the top lot. Um, and we try and say, you know, we need to find value against them. And I think, you know, I think you've got genuine case. Um, you know, if you, bizarrely, if you take this field and put it into the Open, you don't look at him, do you? But the no, Scottish yeah. Open and the Irish Opens, they're very similar tournaments this week and next week are very, very similar in, in what they throw out. You know, they throw out sometimes some very, very strange winners and some very, very strange places. Um this is definitely not a tournament where those top five are going to be are going to be in the top ten for definite. So and Otegi's flying. So yeah, yeah, fair play, Matt. Yeah, he's a fair, he's a fair bet at the price. I like these prices. They're all sort of eighty, aren't they? Eighty and upwards. It's fantastic. Well, it, it feels like they're they're good valued long enough in the sense to get you interested, and and they pay off a decent amount of each way value without going so far down that they feel like no hopers. You know, we I think. 
don't think we are guilty of it, but I think you can see guys, and, and, and I have done in the past, we try and hit the home run bit of you know, 300 and 400 to one, which there will be one later on. But it it feels like you're going too far, too far down. You've got to just make a slight case. But these guys have all got rock-solid chances. Um, talking of rock-solid, um, and, I, and I, I don't want to bet him this week because of what I've said about him for the past 100 years. But Richard Bland seemed like a decent price considering he's gone first, third and led after 36 holes at the US Open. Um, you're going back to the, the fact that he's come second in the Irish Open before. Um, he's played well in the Italian Open, a bit of a Parkland test. He has played well in Crowns, Jason, that, that you've alluded to. Second at the Challenger Island on, on the Challenger 2008. I don't... I'm not going to back him. But I could see a case for him at sort of 66-1. There doesn't seem to be kind of reaction to what he's done over the past three weeks um in my list of about when i start the list i've got about 30 de- i've got about 30 down here yeah something like that and then obviously you have to you have to whittle them down guess who's top is it richard bland it is well done Tom. <laughs> it is actually um not not in terms of he's the most qualified but he was he was certainly one that came Stick out, out with yeah if if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go along with um you know what I believe is, is you know relevant. Then everything you've said is is bang on. Yeah, you know, he's got top twenty in Scottish Opens. He's he's got form of links, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, two top twenty at Glen Eagles. Um, obviously, um, Dodo's one at Glen Eagles. Um, he's got form at Doha. Um, he's fifth and fifteenth at Crans. He's top twenty tee to green in an awful lot of his uh, things, and he's obviously gained confidence from that win. Um, we didn't, did we? Um, no. <laughs> you know, he's obviously gained confidence from that win, and you can't knock him, can you? What, what he's doing, he's he's not just won and then gone away again. Um, he's keeping it going. Uh, I can't back him, but that might just be because it's just ingrained in us. But it's, it's ingrained in us. We can't back him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think I think also that's probably what's why he is the price he is because we're not the only people that hold that kind of opinion. We've had. 20 plus years of watching Richard Bland not get over the line all of a sudden you've got to adjust to the fact that he's nearly got over the line twice in a matter of three starts and, and was leading US Open after 36 hours which okay he fell away as he was expected to but you know it shows what confidence can do and you know he, like I spoke about Molinari his prices if he can't win I don't think that's necessarily the case if he went out to beyond three figures on Betfair I'd probably you know look at having a little bit on him just to see if he can carry it on, I mean, there's there's a very good chance that he just rides off into the sunset now and never wins again. But you know, I just thought he was worth mentioning before we move on. Jason, there's a consensus pick uh, between the three of us. Um, f- you know, a person that's played very very well in Ireland in the past. He's won in Qatar. Um, so I'll let you uh, lead off. Eddie Pep. There you go. Got to be Eddie Pep. Isn't it? I'm glad I didn't queue that all up and you go. Who's that then? <laughs> and I go, yeah, Adrian Sadio, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Eddie Pep. I mean, you know, when, um, yeah, when you talk about Scottish, Irish Opens, I think, you know, Pepperell is the one that springs to mind as being, if you like, the potential middle of the field that can definitely win this sort of thing. Um, his tee to green game at the moment is very, very good. I mean, he's top ten in half the tournaments that he. Um, that he's taken part in over, you know, if we take the 12 months. As you say, he's fourth in the Irish, eight at the K Club, he's one at Qatar, loads of top 20 t- green stuff and approaches. He's got Portugal form, he's got Crane's form, whether you think that's relevant or not, doesn't matter. It does it does pop up. Um, it's Eddie Pepperell, and no doubt he'll tell us on Twitter. Um, I haven't looked on purpose, to be honest with you, in case he <laughs> says something like, you know, he's, he's fallen off a jet ski or something, right? Um, because sometimes I think, whilst it's, it's great fun, a bit like Max Homer, um, it can, you know, it can start giving you doubts about the game and their approach to the game. So I've purposely not looked at his Twitter on purpose because I actually think he's the best bet on the card. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, you, you can you can qualify him for any more, but that's that's good enough for me for a player. I thought 80 was big. Betfair went, um, Betfair Sportsbook went 90 first eight places. You know. For a player that can really compete in this class and with the iron game that he's got, I'm very, very happy at 91. I, I, I probably would have been 
backing him at 60, to be honest with you. So. Well, well I, I personally thought he was just going to be at 33s and 40s to 1, and, and I'm sort of unbackable, and you go, oh, that's a shame, he's probably got a really good chance. And he's won Qatar, finished fourth there, runner-up in this in 2015, he's got two more top eights in this event, tied 11th and tied 12th in his recent starts. Um, the last three starts, he's made the cut second, fifth, and 22nd in strokes gained approach, so... His irons are, you know, absolutely phenomenal. They're where they need to be, especially for an event he's going to come into and enjoy. Um, the only concern I had was potentially off the tee, but I think there's enough room out there that it isn't a big deal. Um, it's not, you know, massively long that he has to reach for his driver all the time. I think it will be beneficial to use it, um, as it is every time. But, uh, you know, Matt, was there anything you wanted to add on, on Eddie Peveril? Uh, no, I think you've touched on there. I mean, Jason, just to, to fill you in, he's, he's been pretty quiet on social media. Um, I've not seen any chocolate or wine um, today. so um, No dog pictures? No, no, which is a shame, actually. I don't mind that. It's the, it's the chocolate and wine. But, but uh, yeah, no, he's um, yeah, he's, he's been a little bit more a bit more quieter, isn't he, and going about his business. He said um, to Sky after the Belfry, he said, I just need to, to play a bit more. And I, I kind of read into that, that maybe, maybe do take it a bit more seriously yeah. at times um and yeah the the performances are there and yeah i think we're all alluding to the iron play so yeah i was uh all over him yeah i think he's one of those people that just enjoys you know what he's got isn't he i think he's quite relaxed about his life i think that there was a point where he, he really went off the rails and, and couldn't hit a ball to save his life and i think that kind of woke him up a bit and he turned it mm. around and then i think that's happened again you know in the last year or so and maybe that's just what he needs he needs a bit of a kick up the arse to to get going and, and and when he does and but he always regardless of what sort of state he's in gets up for for this sort of event the scottish open the british masters even the open he's had that top finish in so he's always up for his home events it just might be that he needs uh, a bit of a kick in to get going in the other events before we go into to, to triple digit numbers darren fickart is someone i keep backing with limited success which i suppose i should be used to given his uh his age and his, his relatively small amount of wins on the european tour but you know he's won in guitar he's been second in the irish open he's got two more he's got two top tens at crans jason if that's you know that's correlating there um two more top fours in guitar he was fifth in strokes going tees green and approach last week he's only had one missed cut in his last 14 starts and he's had i think there was three top fives in there second at guitar again five more top 15s i mean He's been absolutely superb. I know he took that kind of backward step over the weekend, which is what we're kind of used to with Darren Fitcher. But the price of you know eighty to one eight places, I thought was pretty appealing. Yeah, he was, was another one I was watching over the weekend because obviously he's the other part of the double um, <laughs> against Beesberg, and it was it was a joy to see him drop three very quickly. But to be fair, he did fight back really well. Um, he's a really weird one. You wouldn't have thought he's won fourteen times. I know most of them have been sort of on the um on the sunshine tour and, and, and slight level below that uh, but he has won he has won on, on the co-sanctioned um over europe and he, he he does find himself in winning positions an awful lot yeah he, he likes the he likes conditions and you put i mean the crayons thing is just something that popped up but if if you can add that to qatar and and, and you know any other scottish championship then great and you can do that with him um and to be honest, is he any more or less likely than somebody like Richard Bland to win? You know, they're both vastly experienced. They both gnaws it up a lot. But they do find themselves in a lot of challenging positions. Playing really well. Yeah. What price is he? He's got to be 120. Uh, it's about, it's about 80 to 1, I think he was. He could get 100 to 1. I'm, I'm struggling to actually find him again now. But I'm pretty sure he was... Uh, yeah, there is some 100 to 1 about if you want to take less places. But he's generally 80 to 1 for, uh, for the eight places. And talking of Richard Bland, him and Richard Bland both lost the same playoff at the Irish Open in 2002, so maybe that's just kind oh. of what they are, both both losers. Um, but oh. <laughs> but <laughs> they're similar ages. Um, like you say, Fitchart has got the bigger profile and, and has won more often. Um, and, and, and like you say, it's probably overlooked how much he's won, probably just because he's done it over such a long period. It's probably not quite as as exciting as this guy that comes out and wins five or six, you know, very early on in his career. But they've been, it's the longevity. I mean, his first win was in 2001. His last was in 2017 on the European tour. So, of course, of 16 years, he's he's won multiple times. So, 
you know, there's there's definitely something there, and definitely something to keep them going. The the current form is absolutely superb, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Um, Matt, uh, an American view for your final pick this week. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be brief on on John Boy. So um, I've, <laughs> I saw uh, I saw John Catlin um, drift to, uh, to about 100 to one on, on Bet365 earlier today. Um, so I, I, I thought I would jump on that. Um, I don't know. I might be wrong, Jason, but I, I feel like um, he, he continues to be kind of ignored and unloved by punters um, at, at times. And, and, and maybe the reason is that he just he just isn't that sexy. I mean, he's quite tall and languish in his, his swing that kind of falls in and out of plane and in quite, in quite a strange tempo. And it's not kind of that modern rotary swing that these kids are kind of squat racking down the fairway. But he he um, he keeps the ball well in play. He, he he is sneakily long-ish. He gets there thereabouts, just over the 290 mark. Um, but I like watching him for the grind when when I see him play. He gets up and down. He keeps the ball in play without too many issues. Um, this course is pretty mature tree-lined, so you, you need quite a bit of that. Um, and yeah, and, and he is winning a fair bit at the moment. Um, so yeah, he's won three times since since September 2020. Um, difficult to know what kind of John is turning up um, but as I say I, I do like the way he approaches the golf I like the process gloves off hit the ball gloves back on as we saw in Austria but uh, no the reason that the, the final sort of nail in the coffin for me was I, I read that Ben Coley said um, anything 50 to 1 and bigger is considered good value about the American so uh, yeah I'm, I'm going to jump on him today and yeah his history there kind of kind of says it all I'd say yeah, I mean, look, he's the defending champion of this event. Of course, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, minor, of course, isn't minor, he? Yeah. <laughs> at Galgorm Castle, which you would think is probably a similar test to this. And Jason, I think the only the only drawback we've ever had on on John Catlin and potentially what is factored into his price this week is that we expect him to need a slightly tougher test. But you look at, you know, he was ten under par when he won the the Irish Open, shot sixty four on the final day. He was fourteen under par when he won the Austrian Open back in April. Um, I think we just both of us have got that Valderrama sort of win yeah. in the back of our heads all the time because of the way he performed so well there. But the, even the wins on the Asian tour, he's got 16 under par, 22 under par. So maybe there's a bit of a misconception around him. Uh, maybe, but evidence does suggest, doesn't it? Everything we've said, we say it all the time. It's it's not that he can't win it. It's just obviously when he's playing in this class, there are other people that will do that more often. Um, so he's 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 greater skill is um can't be on show when you're when you're shooting 2022 20, under par to win a tournament um they can all the majority of them can hit a decent iron um it's it's doing that consistently and, and then putting whereas not all of them can as as matt says not all of them can get up and down from a difficult life i mean look at the playoff in austria he was just unbelievable um some of his bunker play during that final round in the playoff was brilliant um, and I think that's the key I think it's where his strength comes to the fore um, he's the most winning player for me over the past 12 months so I've got nothing against him at all um, I'm happy to watch him I'm, I'm not, I appreciate 100 to 1 is too big I don't know how many you can back because I think 100 to 1 is quite big for quite a lot of these um, but he's definitely one that I'd be happy to look at and if he was if the names are up there, for example, you know, at the end of round three, uh, sorry, at the end of round two, and he was five or six back, but the names kept him at 50, 66, I'd be happy to look at him. But I'd need to see the first two rounds before before I know where we are with him. Um, yeah, that's for him. Yeah, it could run away. I, I, I understand that. Um, it's, uh, it is hard to judge which, which one of him is coming up. I, I think I was price-driven. Um but yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, you, when I think of his win, I do think of, yeah, Andrew Chir, which was a, a different spectacle of golf, let's just say. The best spectacle, the best spectacle <laughs> of golf of the year. Jason really enjoys uh, Valderrama, if you haven't noticed. Have I ever told you? On Twitter yeah. or the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, like, but like you say there, Matt, I think there's, there's uh, and Jason just said as well, that there's so many names around this sort of 100 to 1 mark now that, that I could easily have just dived into just based on on price alone. I mean, Mike Lorenzo Vera keeps popping up recently and, and strikes the ball incredibly well. 
Adriano. She's going to play well at some point on one of these courses. Jazz Janet Watson on plays well on the European Tour, 110 to 1. Danny Von Tonda, incredible off the tee. I just don't know, again, whether they've all got the perfect profile for what I'm looking for this week. Um, so my one remaining selection goes right down to, he was 350 to 1 earlier. I haven't checked back since. Uh, but Jason, anything in between that lot? Uh, yeah, I've got loads, but I went for it as well. George Katsia, um yeah. only turns up for certain events a year. Um, don't know what it is with him. Obviously, Portugal, you can, you can, you know, now you're each way master to Katsia in Portugal. But we go down. This to me, I think, looks absolutely fantastic for him. Um, he's top twenty in um, strokes gained approach. Uh, Portugal twice. Uh, Tita Green, Saudi, Portugal, man. I'm, I'm not saying they're necessarily. Uh, you, you're pushing it if you then say, let's take the tar and then go in the Middle East. But nevertheless, it is there. Obviously, in the Scottish Open, he's uh, got a ninth. Um, Qatar, uh, Doha, it's absolutely mental. Um, I think he's second twice, fifth, seventh, eighth, and twelfth. Um, and even when they swapped courses to Education City, he was seventh and then missed the cut after 68 and then 78 second round. Um, Second at Glen Eagles, tenth at Glen Eagles, third at Castle Stewart, um, fifth at Dunhill Links. I, for whatever reason, Katsir is a bloke that turns up and just doesn't bother half the time. Um, and I'm convinced, for some reason, that this is the week he turns up. It may well be the influence, as we said, of the Ls and the and the, the Goosen on previous runnings here, which may be completely irrelevant. But at 100 to one or bigger 125 I think he is at one place um, I'm going to take the chance that, that this is a place that he is going to like and I really I like him when he's when he's up there um, I really do like him he can just he birdies for fun um, his iron play is just tremendous when he's on um, doesn't mind tree line course yeah he's won 101 uh, just very very quickly um, Jorge Campillo came back to form obviously over the weekend we do like him don't we um, obviously uh, Doha winner uh, and I've got notes somewhere else blah 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 uh, one in Doha eight for Castle Stewart um, it's only because he caught the eye over the weekend and he's got the Qatar thing I'd rather have uh, Casillo over him to be honest I'm going to leave you with a 351 shot which you'll cover um, and Alessandro uh, Canazares oh he's 350 as well sorry um, sneaky been playing better than his actual final results uh, obviously, a couple of months he was playing really well. Could have won, a, could have won at least once. Um, again, eighth and fifth at Doha. Uh, loads of forms at Crans, if that means anything. Um, Castle Stewart, he's got a ten. I, I just thought three fifty was, you know, was well worth throwing something on. Maybe as a first round leader, to be honest with you, they're probably going to be two hundred, two hundred fifty for that. Um, and your mate Chris Paisley, uh, round about two hundred, I think, something like that. Um, Again, he's got form at um, Qatar. You can tell me more about him than uh, than I can tell myself, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, there was something about him. I think his best strokes gained approach um, have been at Qatar, the Scottish Championship, KLM, which comes in, in, in to um, certain offshoots, if you want to look at it like that. Again, his best tee to green is Qatar, Portugal, Scottish Open. Um, top 15 at Doha, 12th at uh, Lynx, 4th at Scottish Championship, 13th at Scottish Open. Um, so your mate Chris Paisley, um, two hundred to one. I think I got something like three hundred something on on Betfair Exchange earlier for a couple of quid. Um, I'm quite happy to put him in as well. So that there are others on the list, but we could go on forever, could we? We could indeed. I will put a bow on it then for this event and and put our pick up. And this is credit to you, Jason, for for the points that you put out to us um, for for the Qatar link. But uh, Joachim Lagergren has got a fifth, a twelfth, and a thirty-first in this event. Uh, he was second in Qatar Master 2017, and he's won on Northern Ireland and Challenge Tour as well. Um, and, th- and this is a guy, Jason, that he is—he uh, seems to be quite popular among punk, uh, punters, at, you know, in decent weeks. And it does depend on the test, and and he does seem to have a very favourable sort of like place where he's popular. But I think it was only the European Open at, at the Pool Show. I think it's about 125 to one. Um, He's now 350 and 301 of eight places. It's missed two cuts. You know, the European Open and Scandinavian Mix, not too fussed about those particularly. I think a lot of people look into the Scandinavian Mix as a negative, being from Sweden. But tied 25th at Himalayan, tied 18th at Tenerife, tied 8th at the back end of last year in the Dubai Championship. And you just look at 
where he performs. And maybe again, a bit like what I said about some of the people at the top of the market, maybe if it was a more of a Lynx test, it would suit him because he's he's won that Sicilian Open in, in, in the windy conditions there. He was third in the Dunhill Lynx. He's been fourth in the Dunhill Lynx. Uh, fourth again in the Dunhill Lynx. So he's played very, very well in that. But just his performances across several Irish Opens, you know, BMW PGA, Wentworth, tied 24th, you know, he plays well in, you know, different courses. Trophy Sound, he's been third. Denmark, fifth. Portugal, third. You know, he does it across a varying amount of tests, despite the fact that Lynx seems to dominate the top of his uh, OWWR stats. But I just thought he's, you know, a massive price for someone that generally seems to be someone that people get on board and, and can perform well here. I think you have to have a Scandian, don't you? On the Scottish Open, the Irish Open, you have to have a Scandinavian somewhere. And, and yeah, you've, you've covered it all. I think you're absolutely right. I think 350 is madness. Yes, we would have preferred links. Pro- proper, proper links, absolutely right. But it's a mad price. And, and what do you need on at that sort of price? You know, to make it... It's another one where he's quite capable of being in the mix after any round. Um, I don't know what he is on Betfair. 350, 400, if, you, if we use, you know... If I do what I do, he's only got to reach 100 to 1 for me to double my money um, and still leave a very tasty bet. Very capable of doing that. So, yeah, absolutely can't argue with him, mate. I, I thought it was nonsense. But has Ben put him up? Because I know he's... Um, he has not. He has, put, he has no. not. He's put him up a couple of times in... Uh, he's uh, this, 450 this to 1 on Betterfair, Jason. Is he? Hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe... Yeah, but that's, that's the back. If it was to lay, I'd probably get out now. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's tremendously short, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I think you're right, and that's possibly why he's not been put up, is because it's not linksy enough. Um, but like you, you've covered it all, and I think uh, yeah, he's he's the wrong price, win or lose. So, fair play. Yeah, I think I think he's certainly worth chancing, isn't he? And you know, you, you're going to get someone up on that leaderboard, and and just a word, you know, the last couple of weeks we've just put a thousand to one bet stuff on, on well not bet stuff on Twitter but ask people what people like to the thousands to one and I think Guido Migliozzi was one of the very popular people at the US Open and uh, Kramer Hickok was uh, a, a selection last week for someone uh, lost in the playoffs so it is worth looking at that sort of end of the market just just briefly don't you know you don't need to delve into it and, and find loads of reasons but you know as much as they look like no hopers because they are in the market there are some that can be taken on don't know if you quite get it in this field, but with Roy McIlroy there, you might get might get the odd one out there. Um, but moving on to the Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage Classic, Jason. Um, I think both of us beforehand were sort of talking about this, and and not an event we're going to get too heavily involved in. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I'll probably let yeah, you and Matt can cover it really, because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if a favourite turns up, he wins. And that's it. Which is uh, bullish from you, considering Bryson isn't your uh, your favourite, you know, week to week. But you know, it's Every, the perfect type of test for him, isn't it? Everything. He's first off tee, fifteen to green, second stroke game. Total seventh scoring average, thirtieth in putting. His form here has played one, one, one. Uh, for me, when you look back at last, certainly the last couple of years, which is all you can do really. Just only think out the two. Um, <laughs> you've got loads of uh, memorial links. You've got loads of Shriners links. Um, obviously, ironically, you know, uh, Bryson and Wolf, you know, went and shared the US Open as well. Um, yeah, I don't know, you know, for me, what you want. He's just absolutely different gear to these. Reed isn't playing well enough. Uh, Hideki's lost his sort of outstanding tee to green game after the Masters. It may still take him a while to come down, showing bits, but not enough. And if you want to pick the places, that's up to you, mate. But as far as I'm concerned, you either back Bryson or you just watch it. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got Bryson at 15 to 2, Patrick Reed at 14 to 1, Hideki 16s, Webb Simpson 18s, Will Zalatoris, who didn't actually get a birdie at the US Open at all, which I didn't know about, 25 to 1. And then you've got Kokrat Neiman, 28 to 1. Um, so, you know, there's people there I think the Kokrak's performing incredibly well and it sounds like a course that should suit him considering you know Bombers should prosper here the the rough is long but it's not penal it's very much like Wingfoot where Bryson's torn up there and here um, just you know give it a whack find it and, and hit it again and I don't think it's going to be any you know any different this time around but with any sort of course like that you do seem to get some of the short hitters do get involved I mean Kevin Kisner was third last year Ryan Armour was fourth um, so you, you can get people that, that do turn up like that and 
I looked at what Nate Lashley had done um, prior to his sort of win here, or, or consequently since. Tied third in Phoenix, tied third at the Greenbrier, tied fifth at Pebble. Uh, I can't read that one, so I can't say what that one says. Um, but he, he just performs incredibly well at, at the same sort of test for him. Um, and then you've got the Valspar, the Greenbrier, and Wyndham that kind of stuck out to me. Wyndham being um, another Donald Ross track. Houston up until 2019 and including that. Uh, of course, that kind of stuck out to me. Um, which kind of led me to Cameron Tringali, who is a top threes, two top threes at Valspar, two top fours at the Greenbrier, two top eights at the Houston Open. He was tied fifth here in 2019, 30th in 2020, being 11th after 36. But he doesn't win anywhere near enough, or he doesn't win, does he? So that 45 to 1, I thought that was plenty short enough. So I've kind of gone uh, way down the market, and, and Matt, I think you're the same as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, not not massively interested in, in, in this one. Um, I think... The the only interesting thing I found was was that there were no similarities between Nate and Bryson's win, or or they were pretty no. thin. Um, the, the the course is, is seven thousand three hundred yards, uh, par seventy two. So it, it's not the longest. The the fairways are, are, are that that sort of generous rye grass, so it's going to lead players to pull out the driver. So I think if you're going to look deep into this research. I'd look at players that that are pretty sharp from that sort of 75 to 125 yards, because um, because that will be pretty important if they if they're getting it way out there, um, which makes Bryson obviously very much um, a favourite, isn't it? Um, like he did where he, he picked up six and a half strokes in off the tee, which which was crazy. Um, I, I've I've kind of taken one line with this, uh, Tom. I've, I've I've gone for some bombers. Um, that are hopefully hopefully going to keep everything together for me throughout the week. So um, yeah, where, where should I start? Should I start with the shortest? And yeah, go for your shortest. Wait your way out, mate. So yeah, Gary Gary Woodland. Um, you know, top tens this year. Wells Fargo, Valero Texas Open, and um, tied 14th at the Charles Schwab. So um, potentially um, potentially due due a win. Um, he's He's won on the PGA Tour obviously four times, so Sam can get it done. This is going to be some low scoring, you know. He, he gets the ball way out there. So my, my first pick was 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 Gary Woodland. Yeah. Secondly, um, uh, and and thirdly, so I've gone with Luke List and, and and Cameron Champ. So both of which are in that sort of hundred to hundred and fifty to one. Um, Cameron Champ obviously kind of piqued our interest again, didn't he, after the Masters? Where he kind of fell away, um, but again has has, has had uh, as as snuck inside the top ten this year. Um, I think paying that they're paying eight places in a, in a lot of bookies this week. So uh, at 150 to one for a course that's potentially going to reward someone that that gets the ball way out there, I, I went with him, and and I had a very similar sort of line of thought with with Luke List. So um, Jason, and anything to add your end and. I'll bring up a bit more on these guys. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm happy to let you 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 take the floor, mate. I mean, my my connection brought up a list of about uh, 14, 15 players, of which I think only three are playing. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, because I went for the Shriners Memorial link big time. Um, brought up the obvious people, um, and behind those were the likes of Troy Merritt and uh, JC Poston. Uh, Jonathan Bird came into it unbelievably um, and, and the biggest one apart from um, Bryson was Kevin Nile and he's not playing so I've concluded that the damn bloke up front is too good um, I, Tom's got a couple I know which, which I can't argue with I can't argue with you I'm waiting for Gary Woodland to actually perform for four rounds but he does look like he hasn't I mean it just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing when he gets there I, I don't know what's wrong with him because he's so much better than the way he finishes tournaments so I can't argue with you because you know I think he's got so so much talent but I'm just not sure what's there so yeah Tom go go with your two mate because like I say I think the jolly will win yeah I mean look I think I think for me it was it was interesting I kind of like I sort of rambled on at the start 
I looked at what Nate Lashley had done, I looked at what sort of Doc Redman had done, the first two to go one two here, um, and just see where they performed and and a lot of places that stood out for me were, were Wyndham for, for the Donald Ross, the Houston Open, um, Phoenix Open, the Greenbrier just seems to really, really stick out. I mean, Kevin Kisner's been second there. Um, Brian Stewart's played well there. Cameron Tringali's played well there. Ted Potter Jr.'s won there, played well here. So I think that's a, a really good link. And I think those sort of courses for me, if you can find anyone that, that ties in with those, then all, all good for me. But Doc Redman... Um, has kind of caught the eye and and i was a little bit disappointed to see he was only sort of 60 to 1 but i suppose with the course form that he's got i mean he was second here on debut and then finished up was he 21st and he was he was right up there after the first round i think he was actually leading after round one he shot 65 um and he's just getting those irons back into form he's 28th 23rd 37th 4th and 15th uh in his last five starts according to tour tips uh in strokes gain approach um his driving has been slightly disappointing but i think on a course like this he can get himself back and you know just he just seems to repeat sort of performances and you, you know where he's going to play well so doc redman was one that caught the eye for me ches Reeve, um i've kind of been looking at him the last couple of weeks and and wanted reasons to be on board uh 14th 10th and 19th of his last three starts in strokes gain approach He's improved every week, 44th, 37th, 19th in those last three starts off the tee as well. Um, and then I kind of looked at his, his course form and there was nothing there. Um, and so you look at it properly, and, and this is the best thing I like about Tortix, is that when you hover over um, the, the result, you know, even if it's a miscut, it tells you what it did in the first two rounds. Uh, in 2019, I don't remember him shooting a 65 to, uh, to rank fourth after round one only to go and shoot a 78 in the second day to uh, to miss the cut. So that is very Ches Reevee-like. I think he does have that ability to do that. He can get go really low, um, and he can blow up. And because he's not the longest hitter, he needs everything to go right. But I thought there's some value there. I mean, he's only he's 80 to 1. He can get 100 to 1s about him. Um, but for some reason, Pebble Beach came up. Um, based on Lashley um, and, and others around the leaderboards. Snedeker was there. He's obviously a two-time winner. So, you know, reeve has got that, that second at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am and a third at the US Open that was at Pebble Beach as well. Um, so he was interesting. And then finally, Bo Hostler. I've been kind of looking at him for the last couple of weeks and hoping that he was going to do something. Um, 19th and 10th now, I think he is, in his last two starts. Um, tenth at the Travellers being his best for you know quite a while. Um, Houston Open came up in that research as I said he was second there to Poulter in the playoff. If there's anything to that then great. Seventeenth uh, at the Phoenix Open another one. You mentioned the Shriners earlier, Jason. He was tied seventh in that in 2017. Um, but it, you know it's his off the tee that's kind of standing out for me at the moment. He's kind of picked up in that area. Twenty second and twelfth his last two starts. And he was also fifth in strokes gain approach two starts ago as well. So Bo Hostler's kind of turning things around 175 to one. Um, I thought he might have given Doug Gim another go, Jason. I thought he, he kind of seems to pop out on places for me on these courses. Because when I think of this sort of event, I think about kind of like Desert Classic and the Amex. And that does come up on, on several people's here as well. And these, these weird post-it notes I've got written down. I've done a U really. I've written all these notes out and can't really read them. Um, but he was fifth at the Amex, wasn't he, earlier in the year? Tied 20th at the Wyndham uh, back in 2018, 21st at Pebble. And, you know, he, he can he can score really low. I think this is a horrible tournament because I think there's players that, that you'd think, you know, like long-term players that, you'd, you'd, that half of them I can't pronounce, um, <laughs> that you'd want them to play in this. You know, Fiala and people like that, you'd, you'd think to yourself, well, this is your chance, you know. Yeah. So where someone like Wackham Neiman is now at 28 best this week, for example, um, we know he's going to he's he's got to win pretty soon, isn't he? Um, but we're looking for the next one. I think people like the Gala and people like that would have been 100, 125, maybe 150 in this something like that because they are showing a bit, and we could have got that type of player this week, and they're just not there. So for me, it's a, a bit of a an interesting tournament to be honest. Um, so yeah, that's why it's, I was it's, quite... it's really hard because there's 
I think the Greenbrier is a link, but again, we haven't been there for a couple of years, so it's, it's hard to kind of rely on that. I mean, you look at people that have played well both years. Sepp Stracker's finished 11th and 8th, and he played well in Houston, so maybe there is something in that. Um, but it's, it's funny, Cameron Trigali, 5th and 30th, and Brian Stewart, 5th and 30th. You know, it seems to be that you can put in repeat performances, and it's, it's very similar form across the board for, for a lot of players, and it's just it's, it's a weird event, and one that I can't get too excited about. And Matt, like you said there, you've got kind of a, a three-pronged attack with, with all players that kind of just bomb and find it and go again. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think in in a week like this, for, for me, a, a, the elite golfers lose their advantage because it, there is a, a whole host of players that, that are going to be able to, to make 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 the birdies because because it is going to be a birdie fest all right even young players coming off the corn ferry tour might have a bit of extra appeal if you look down the li- down the down the list um as they're going to have to go low in order to contend well, i mean the cut's going to be what four under possibly yeah um i mean that's what it has been the last couple of years it could be greater this year depending on on the weather and the conditions of course um players that are capable to get into 20 under the first thing that i'm considering i mean i've i've n- I've obviously taken one line in length and hope it's going to pay off. But but really, I think I think the value is in players that can run run the birdies and get on the hot streaks and that have done that in the past. And also, as I said, that those players that are expect exceptionally good from sort of 75 to 125 yards, because if they get out there straight, they're not going to have that long in. No, I think that's it. I think I don't think there's too much to figure out here. I think. And that kind of leads me to think that anyone that's in current form can perform here. I don't think you necessarily have to have played well over the last two years. It's a small sample size. It's easy to get caught up in that. And maybe I've done so with, with Doc Redman. But um, Jason, we spoke on, on air, off air before we came on about Troy Merritt, who's been in, in fabulous form. I mean, he was eighth here last year. Um, so I think there's, there's plenty of players there. And I think it's a case of, like Matt said there, you can take a real stab at it. Um, and, and kind of take some of these long people. I think there's there's definitely going to be a case for my thousands one tweet this week. So we'll have a look into that. But uh, yeah, I mean, say Jason, you're not particularly interested in this event. I don't have an awful lot to add to it. Um, so I don't see any need to sort of ramble on about an event that we don't really have too much interest in. Interesting to see what Phil does this week. Hmm. I, you know, to be honest with you, um, I, I, like I said to you before we came on, I thought three figures for him was huge i mean who knows what he's going to do none of us do do we um but given that you know you had you had bubba i know bubba played on a course he loves last week but given that he's back and we've seen the sort of we've seen a mix haven't we of, of the sort of the young studs and and the older guys perform I, I, I it did catch the eye the price caught the eye for me but i mean would i back him no um like i say i, I don't really have an interest in it I will watch it to see if there's, you know, see if it's always nice to even see it and say, oh, actually, you know, I, I, I was right. That bloke had a link to X or what X or whatever um, or Y. But uh, like I say, 15 players and only four of them are playing. So stuff it. They can't be asked. They can't be asked. Nor can I, mate. <laughs> We've got a good field over in, in Ireland, haven't we? And it's we uh, have super good yeah. tournament. Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? The European Tour event makes a lot more appeal about this time than uh, the PGA, which is not something that you know regularly happens. No, it's really good to see, and you know, and, and for me, we've we've kind of thrown out a lot of names over in Europe, all around that sort of price. And uh, the thing I, I think for everyone is is to think that about how we use them in the future. And and, and this is a, the, in, in Ireland, it's a, it's a Jack Nicklaus design course. We go back to another one in August in the London Golf Club for the Kazoo. So, yeah. you know, we can use it as a marker for that. So I'm really excited about Ireland. Maybe not so much about uh, about USA. So sorry to those listeners if, if, if we got them. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, it should be good. I think that I think it's probably <laughs> the same all around. I don't think people are, are that enamored of this event. It very much feels like a, a filler uh, before the Open Championship now for the PGA Tour. Um but yeah, I mean, a word on Mickelson. But before we go, you mentioned um, that he, he looked a decent price. Well, he was fifth in the field in strokes gain approach in the final round uh, last night. Uh, Doc Redman and Bo Hostler both uh, seventh and fourth, uh, respectively, in that category as well on the day. So that kind of, not that it definitely built into my my thinking, but it's certainly a promising thing to see. So um, yeah, I think that's it for us, gents. Um, if I just re 
recap my Irish Open picks. I've gone with uh, Justin Harding, uh, about 55 and 60 to 1. I've gone with Eddie Pepperell, uh, Darren Ficker, both for 80 to 1. And then Joachim Lagergren at 350 to 1. Uh, Jason, if I can have your Irish Open picks, please. Yeah, in order of preference, uh, Eddie Pep, uh, Dodo Molinari, uh, George Coetzea, uh, and then we go Campillo, uh, Canizares, and Lagergren, and Paisley at some sort of minuscule trade. But yeah. And Matt, for you, the Irish Open? Yeah, it's great to be on Team Pepperell this week. So Eddie Pepperell, uh, Adrian Otegi. Uh, Dodo Molinari and John Caitlin. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, I think we've got a fine selection of players between the, the three of us there. Um, over to the Rocket Mortgage, and this will be short. Um, I've gone with Doc Redmond, Ches Reeve, and Bo Hosler. Uh, Redmond at sixty to one, Reeve at eighty to one, and, and Hosler at one hundred and fifty to one hundred and Um And I will generally play those on Betfair as well. Uh, Jason, you're basically going Bryson or, or no matter what, really, aren't you? I'm just saying that if you don't want to back, if I don't want to not back in Bryson, I won't bother. So yeah, that's for me. Um, Matt, your your trio in the uh, Rocket Mortgage. Yeah, the big boys: Gary Woodland, forty to one; Luke List, hundred; Cameron Champ, hundred and fifty. Yeah, I think we can see the line of thinking there, can't we? If you give it a whack off the tee, <laughs> you uh, you've got a chance. So, gents, thank you very much as ever. Before you, um, before you, on, Tom, shut up a minute, right? Before you go, before you finish it all, right? Uh, Matt, if you just want to tell everyone about your... Um, I was book, getting book. to that. No, no, no. Yeah, but you go off and you go, thanks very much, blah, 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 blah. I'll do it, um, right? Unbelievable. No, no you, you, you wouldn't think that I, you know, sort of started this podcast. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, because <laughs> no, I get impatient and get hungry and narky and very angry. Um, <laughs> that, guys, that, that was the most fluid segue I, I could have wanted. Thank you very much. <laughs> Facts um, to everyone about your, your because everyone thinks everyone thinks they're a judge, so they can put it on Twitter and everyone can see. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, no, so yeah, um, I'm I'm on Twitter uh, at Waggle Duff. Uh, it's basically a, a, a golf community. It's a free free to play fantasy golf league that's run week in week out across the European and PGA tours. Um, yeah, come and check it out. It's uh, at Waggle Duff on on Twitter or waggleduff.com so no cheers guys i really enjoyed being on it thank you very much yeah thank you very much and you know guys enter that tournament uh let them know your picks um and and get the team in there because it's one way to track the results and one way to, to prove to us that you know more than we do which is uh probably not difficult the way i'm talking at the moment but uh jason's been a fine judge and so has matt recently so um luckily they've got more to go on this week thank you very much as ever guys and uh, we'll see you all again next week mm-hmm.